you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Uh, let me just say this. Let's let me just start by telling you, it was a. Uh, I'm still in a little state of shock um, because uh, yesterday I went down to the White House for the news conference with Donald Trump and the King Hussein of Jordan. Uh, it's the first time under this administration that I had been at a news conference. I've been to the briefings many times, but with President Trump. It's hard for me to say those two words. Uh, certainly first time in the Rose Garden, uh, first time to see him with a foreign leader in person or watch the others on television. Uh, and I got to tell you, um, it's tough. It's tough to see that man walk out there and see him representing the United States of America, somebody who doesn't belong there, who is not qualified to be there, who doesn't have a freaking clue about what he's doing there. Uh, and in speaking about Syria, in speaking about China, uh, he, he, you could just tell he, 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 he was way, way, way beyond his depth uh, and, and actually didn't say anything. It was monumentally, I thought, embarrassing for the country. But, of course, you know, you can't embarrass him. He's, he's too much in love with, him, in love with himself. And, and, but also to see... I felt sorry for the King of Jordan to have to stand there alongside of this clown and pretend um, that he had any respect for him. I mean, the king twisted himself inside out a couple of times asking questions. I thought one very good question that someone asked was, um, how do you trust, how, how can you believe that Donald Trump is going to bring peace to the Middle East when so many other giants have tried and failed? Good question, right? And uh, the king just said, well, we're encouraged by the fact that there's an early engagement uh, in the Middle East, and so we think that bodes well for being able to solve this problem. Yeah. When he, what he really wanted to say was, yeah, this clown, do you think he's going to get anything done? No. But, you know, we'll just li- work it out. But anyway, just to see the president in that setting where I saw President Obama so many times um, with great dignity and with great intelligence and with great poise uh, and great command of the situation uh, and to see Donald Trump standing there. Um, uh, I guess I would use his word. Sad! <laughs> Exclamation point. It's definitely sobering. Uh, you know? Yeah, like, to see yeah. that, it, it'll it'll get you caught up into reality yeah. real quick. And there in the front row is, you know, the First Lady, Mike Pence, um, Sean Spicer, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, uh, the whole gang right, th- right there. And I thought, here we are. Yeah. This is it. Uh, but actually, before we get to the uh, news conference itself, 
Donald Trump made little news ahead of time when suddenly he summoned into the Oval Office uh, our good friend Glenn Thrush and Maggie Haberman from the New York Times and uh, just wanted to talk. And he started talking and he wouldn't stop. Uh, he said on the, the ostensible reason for his visit was he wanted to talk about infrastructure, uh, a trillion dollars he wants to get out there for infrastructure when he didn't say uh, but he did say he might rescind uh, a, a policy of the Obama administration to rebuild the New York transit system and particularly the train tunnels leading into New York under the Hudson. Uh, we saw a serious problem with that this week with the derailing at Penn Station, which backed everything up. But once he started talking about infrastructure and just basically said, yeah, I'm going to do it and it'll be out there somewhere soon, somewhere uh, he got into a couple of other things, like Bill O'Reilly. Let's start there. Yes, indeed. Ask about Bill O'Reilly and whether Bill O'Reilly maybe should step down. Donald Trump actually said, no, no, no. Bill O'Reilly, he knows him well. He's a friend of his. Um, he doesn't think Bill O'Reilly should have even settled those lawsuits. He thinks they were phony, and he should have fought those lawsuits all the way to the end. All I can say is it takes one to know one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's the man, serial sexual abuser himself, who's defending another serial sexual abuser in Bill O'Reilly. And, of course, defending Fox News, uh, which was principally principally maybe responsible for getting Donald Trump elected. Um can I can I can I just say that Maxine Waters didn't share his point of view? Is that safe to say? <laughs> Go ahead before I do. Yes. Well, less than a week ago, less than a week ago, Donald Trump put out a proclamation mm. proclaiming April 2017 yes, as yes. National Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. Uh-huh. I'm just going to yeah. read a little <laughs> bit out of this, all right? Cuz yeah. you can tell that this is really Donald Trump speaking from, from the his heart. heart. At the heart of our country is the emphatic belief that every person has a unique and infinite value. We dedicate each April to raising awareness about sexual abuse and recommitting ourselves to fighting it. Women, children, and men have inherent dignity no, that no, should no, never be no, no, violated. No, that was recommitting ourselves to doing it. <laughs> right. No, 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 to no, fighting it. No, no. no, no I, what he meant to, that was clearly a typo. That was clearly a typo. A typo. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> just a, a little bit more out of this because, I mean, the proclamation – Flies in the face of everything we know about Donald Trump. More from this. As we recognize National Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, we are reminded that we all share the responsibility to reduce and ultimately end sexual violence. Sexual violence. We must develop meaningful strategies to eliminate these crimes, including increasing awareness of the problem in our communities, creating systems that protect vulnerable groups, and sharing successful prevention strategies. Yeah. So you and have now, a series of women who have come forward and said that they have been put in compromising positions at best or sexually harassed or assaulted. Assaulted. Yeah. By Bill O'Reilly and Donald Trump says, hey, he's Donald a Trump guy. is defending him. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Should never have settled. Should have fought these all the way to the end. Because they were phony. As I, by the way, on that point, just so I, I, last night I almost fell off my chair. When I saw that there was a uh, statement last night put out by the press secretary, Sean Spicer, um, uh, declaring the, the president declaring, I think it's today or maybe it was yesterday, as a day to honor Gold Star families, Gold Star mothers. 
Yeah. We remember Donald Trump's. No, is that yeah. right? Yes, yeah. Check it out. Look it up. Yeah. We remember what Donald Trump did to oh. one particular Gold Star family, attacking not just the father, but attacking the mother by name for not speaking and standing there and not saying anything about her son uh, at the Democratic Convention. So having trashed all the, the that one great Gold Star family, uh, here, here he is. It's, it's the audacity of these people, right? It's just... It'll stop it. Nothing. Um, let's go back to Bill Rowdy here for just a second. Yeah. As I mentioned, uh, Maxine Waters didn't quite agree uh, with the president on uh, Bill Rowdy. She was on Chris Hayes on MSNBC last night. You know, the president's over there talking today about uh, Susan Rice going to jail. They need to go to oh. jail. Uh, Bill O'Reilly <laughs> needs to go to jail. <laughs> she, and she talks about calling Fox the Sexual Enterprise uh, Institute? I'm not surprised that he stood up and tried to defend Bill O'Reilly. But it's all catching up with Bill O'Reilly and that sexual harassment enterprise that they created <laughs> yes. over there at Fox. Yes, sexual harassment enterprise. Get his ass. Sexual harassment yeah. enterprise. <laughs> the great Maxine Waters. Uh, I saw yesterday, too, that uh, Sharon Stone at a uh, particular, at some, some big event, she read a little poem written by Shelley Goldstein about Maxine Waters. Uh, can, oh, yeah, can nice. I, can I share that with Please. all of you? Yes, here it is. Uh, the wonderful Maxine Waters, whom I've known a long time and love, like my sister. Quote, here's a little poem about Maxine. Say it loud. She's black and we're proud. Disrespect will not be allowed. Since 91, she's fought our battles with humor, grace, and skill. She's proved a woman's definitive place. Is that house on Capitol Hill? There you yeah, go. She does. She makes us proud. Maxine. Yes, indeed. Just um, crap coming out of the Trump White House that people are saying, what can we do about it? How can we fight back? Uh, here's a good suggestion go to democracyforamerica.com and find out, or just ask Jim Dean, who's the chair of Democracy for America, joining us in studio uh, this morning. Hello, Jim. Nice to see you. Bill, thanks so much for having me on. You know, one good thing I think that has come out of this uh, Trump uh, administration of the Trump victory is there's energy and on the yeah. grassroots now like we've never seen before. Do you find that? Yeah, I think it is absolutely terrific. Uh, and what is even better is that so many of these people are folks that haven't been in the political process before, uh, and maybe for good reasons. They a lot of them don't trust it, uh, yeah. but and, yeah. and and that's a challenge. But uh, to 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 see a whole bunch of folks who are out um, either at the airports uh, marching for the rights of women or so many other causes. Uh, and trying to get things done in their communities, uh, we are very, very inspired by that. And we're very inspired by all the new groups that have come in coming out of this. Uh, yeah. We really want to try to help uh, help them do the work that they're trying to do. You know, it seems that uh, there were sort of two attitudes or two approaches, right, among progressives. Uh, <laughs> watching the, the, the Trump pull off this incredible uh, victory, and we all know, we all have our reasons for why it happened, but... Some people were saying, I don't want anything to do with politics anymore. That, I can't watch the news. I, I'm out of politics forever. I've given up. That's one side of people. And the others were saying they might have been disappointed. They certainly were disappointed yeah. and sulked for a couple of days. Then they said, 
damn it, I'm going to fight back harder than ever. Yes. And I think there are more of those people than the first. I think there are. I think there are also a lot of people uh, that have both feelings at different points in the day. Uh, And I have to say that I'm one of them. Uh, I mean, I I don't ever say I'm I'm giving up, but it's just there are times during the day when you just say this is really, I don't know, even know if we're going to have a country uh, in two years. And and then there are other times when it's just incredibly inspiring to see some of the stuff that's being done uh, in a lot of communities and knowing that there's new talent coming in and going to be new leadership and very talented leadership uh, when they come to the fore. We were talking yesterday here in studio uh, with Scott Wong from, from The Hill, mm-hmm. uh, covers the Congress for The Hill, about there are some Democrats who have found their voices yes. in this Trump uh, administration. Uh, Adam Schiff, right? Yep. Um, Eric, is it Sawwell? Yeah, Sawwell. Eric mm-hmm. Sawwell, right? Maxine Waters yes. right, <laughs> out there. Yep. Uh, and, and and others that uh, I think are just like emerging, you know. Um, well, they're. Uh, Jim I, Himes, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim also. Himes, who's actually my uh, congressperson. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from the 4th District of Connecticut. And, uh, you know, here's one thing that's really impressed me was. Uh, and I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, actually, last night. We were having this discussion with, a, with about 140 people at a meeting that usually has about 30. Uh, and it wasn't because I was there. It was because yeah. folks are getting organized. Yeah. Yes. They know the recess is coming up. Uh, they're going to be in Perry's office. Uh, and, you know, this Freedom Caucus that has often said, well, you know, this health care repeal isn't conservative enough. The fact of the matter is they've been hearing it plenty from town halls. You know these probably have been banning about these call numbers, 300 yeah, to 1 yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And these folks showing up, there are actually no less than seven Democrats that are thinking of getting into the race uh, to uh, to run against him next year. And who um, is this against? Uh, Sam uh, I mean, uh, Perry in the Gettysburg area, and I can't remember the district number. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, but this is very remarkable. And, and uh, when we start seeing this, when we see the three folks that are running in the special elections right now, uh, who are uh, first-time candidates, uh, but that they have great life experiences. They're certainly qualified to hold this office. Uh, they all three have varying chances of winning, and certainly it looks as if Ossoff, who is in Georgia 6, where, which most people are talking about, oh, this would be great. Um, yeah, it, he certainly looks uh, poised to at least get into the runoff. Uh, but he's going for it all. He's, I mean, he was. I was. I was yeah, on a conference yeah. call with a bunch of people, and he spoke at it and and said, "Look, we're going for fifty plus one here. We think we can win this." Uh, so that I think is helping uh, our Democratic friends in the currently in Congress uh, find their voices. You've said, and certainly we appreciate uh, Adam Schiff standing up to this. What has become well, a Schiff, charade. Yeah. Uh, of of uh, a charade of this committee uh, hearings and committee investigation. So, um, well, so let's keep talk it about those those three races. Uh, George is the one we hear most about. The, that's the uh, Tom Price's seat. Yes, uh, so the suburbs of Atlanta, I believe, mm-hmm. right? John Ossoff, O S S O F. Yep. Uh, the strong, strong young Democrat never run for office before. Was he 30 years old or something? He, like he's that? 30 years old. I think it's, I can't remember his one S or two. This is my bad. I, I, okay. uh, uh, or but, mine, uh, that is two. I'm yeah. not sure, but yeah. Uh, but he is a uh, young man. He actually worked here in the Hill. Um, two S's. Two S's. Two S's. Yeah. Okay. Good thing you guys are around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but he is, uh, he, he worked uh, in uh, uh, Congressman Hanks' office. Um, and uh, and then uh, has been running basically is a business which is is an investigative uh, documentary filmmaker, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been doing that for a while. Uh, he was encouraged to run uh, by uh, Congressman Hanks uh, and also supported by uh, Congressman John Lewis. Uh, and that's yeah, how this sort of started right. going. And uh, and then Daily Coast actually started raising money for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, there were quite a few other Democrats, including a legislator uh, that was in the primary, a uh, woman who, uh, whose name now escapes me, but we were considering all of these candidates. Uh, and she dropped out, and uh, the other folks haven't really been campaigning, so we yeah. threw our lot in with them. But a whole bunch of other folks have. They've raised a lot of money. He's hired a very good staff. Uh, a lot of the folks that worked on Deborah Ross's great Senate campaign, and that was a good campaign, yeah. even though she did not prevail. Uh, they're working with him. Uh, he is polling in the mid-40s right now, uh, ahead of all the other candidates by large margin. Uh, but there's a total of 11 candidates, and it's a jungle primer. In other words, the Republicans and the yep. Democrats run. Then the top two, if one doesn't get 50 percent, the top two uh, go to a runoff, which I believe that is somewhere be. around a month after. Yeah. And there uh, are like this. 18 Republican candidates or something like that, right? So I, they're split all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the last I heard, I think it was 11 total. Um, <laughs> and that includes Republicans and Democrats. I but I yeah. think there are only about three Democrats, including John Ossoff. Right. So uh, there's that one. And mm-hmm. what are the other? You mentioned there are three specials yes. now. Okay. Uh, Montana um, and uh, for Zinke's seat. Um, oh, right. Of and, course. Uh, and Kansas um, uh, for the seat of the guy that took the CIA job, I think it was. Um, and uh, uh, so Montana is interesting. Um, uh, they had a nominating convention. And uh, there were some folks uh, that were going to run, and and they actually stood aside for this uh, man who is, uh, his name is Bob Quis, Q-U-I-S, and he has been a performer, a songwriter, and a musician for over 40 years, Hmm. mostly in Montana. He has been to every single town in the state of Montana. He probably (laughs) has better name recognition (laughs) Um, than just about any uh, any of the senators and uh, uh, wow. governor yeah. uh, uh, who's now I think in there for at least two terms. So uh, and and equally important, he has been very committed uh, as a musician. He has constantly written and performed and talked about um, the issues uh, that uh, surround working people, uh, folks who work for yeah. a living, uh, and uh, versus uh, you know the unbalanced. Uh, life that we have in this country, which is run, you know, because of the uh, power of big corporations uh, and the power of them to buy our political process, which something in Montana is a very, very sensitive issue that goes yeah, back to the yeah. early 1900s. Right. So he decided to throw his lot in and he his hat into the ring. Um, and uh, he's a great candidate. He's got a lot of volunteers in this. We've been raising money for him. Uh, we certainly are endorsing him and, and helping him out. And I'm actually planning on going out there. I'm hoping to go out there. Yeah. Uh, in May, and I know a lot of other folks are coming into the state to help him with his field operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a state where you can win without television, uh, and that's very important to understand. I mean, you can do that in a lot of places. It's, right. it's one probably one of the good things that Donald Trump has as proven. Long, as long but, as you put a lot of miles on your uh, yeah you, <laughs> on your jeep or whatever, right? You got, or you your pickup show up pickup truck. That's yeah. it. You got to yeah. show up, and you got to have a field program, and the field program has to be early enough so that you can have conversations with voters instead of just throwing information at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've really got to get a lot better about this. Congressman Keith Ellison, of course, has been doing this in his district yeah. uh, for years, yeah. which is why he has a very high turnout rate. we got to be doing that in elections early enough so that we can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And there isn't much time in this case, I hate to say it. Yeah. 
Uh, Kansas is the third, huh? Yes, uh, Mr. Thomas, a veteran Pom- and... So- What's it, Pompeo, is that his name? Mike yes, Pompeo? Yes, thank you. Yeah, right, the <laughs> and, CIA director. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, Thomas is the uh, gentleman who's running, a veteran and a civil rights uh, attorney uh, from the mm. Wichita area, um, and uh, and he's going to make a go about it. He's a younger person, and, uh, uh, you know, well, they, they have, a, as you know, in that state, uh, a lot of disfaction, I mean, disfaction uh, with the Republican leadership, particularly with Governor Brownback, who barely yeah, won his yeah, re-election. Yeah. Uh, so we think that that's a good shot there, and we no. would certainly want to support him. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. What the hell is going on? Bob Cusack from The Hill, editor-in-chief, joins us today to straighten it all out. Hello, Robert. Nice to <laughs> see morning, you. Good morning, guys. How are you? Hey. Doing? Welcome back. Me. Absolutely. Good to be back. Now, um, I was at the uh, White House yesterday in mm-hmm. Rose Garden for the, uh, for the news conference, and um, I noticed... Um, uh, Vice President came in. Um, Sean Spicer, the press secretary, came in. Amarosa was there. Hope Hicks was there. Kellyanne Conway was there. Stephen Miller was there. Uh, the Rex Tillerson was there. Um, Wilbur Ross. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Steve Bannon. <laughs> Maybe what? a prior engagement uh, <laughs> or something else. What happened? <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it was, he was noticeably absent, obviously, after being removed from the National Security Council. Um, there were reports, as you remember, that when President Trump signed that executive order putting Bannon on, that he was not aware of it. So you'd have to think that going back to after Flynn got bounced, that McMaster said, who replaced uh, Michael Flynn, said we we have yeah. to have Bannon off. Now, the question is, is this just a one-time thing or is the influence of Bannon uh, waning uh, at the moment? Um, you know, really 10 weeks into the Trump presidency, there's been a lot of parlor games of which White House aide will make it uh, to the summer. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and, and Trump is indicating there's some type of White House shakeup coming. So uh, I don't know. It's but all these guys, I mean, we're seeing different Kushner and Dina Powell has, uh, we just profiled her. Uh, she has mm-hmm. the, the presence here. So I think some changes are coming, but who knows exactly what it will be. Um, yesterday, uh, in the, the main topic, of course, at the news conference was Syria. Uh, other than the fact that he was genuinely, I think, um, struck as we all were by the horrific nature of the videos coming mm-hmm. out of Syria, the children and the babies uh, lost in that uh, chemical gas attack. You didn't get the feeling that the president had any idea how he was going to respond or if he was going to respond at all. This this is sort of like the major first immediate foreign policy crisis you've got to deal with. Uh, Yes, definitely. And 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 Rex Tillerson is going to Russia. Uh, Obviously, uh, Syria and and Al-Assad and Russia are allies. So 
And we've got the, uh, of course, Russian controversy with with the Trump White House. So this is a a telling moment of what is going to happen. And Trump has repeatedly criticized President Obama's handling of Syria and the red line. Okay, well, I mean, certainly that that's just criticism. But but what is Trump going to do? It's not an easy situation because you still anytime you get rid of a dictator. And we've seen this in a number of countries, including uh, Iraq, is that there's a power vacuum. Uh, and, and, And then then, okay, you know. Sometimes getting rid of the dictator is the easy part, uh, and then Plan B is the hard part. So, I do think that this is this is a major test for the Trump White House, um, and I, and I think and to the president's credit, he said, "Listen, I've I've changed my position." I mean, those right. when you have those visuals, they, they they are you know as you said, just horrible, horrible images and heartbreaking and. But policy-wise, what is he going to do now? I mean, he did say, okay, it's my responsibility now. He, he admitted that. Uh, I'm flexible. My attitude has changed. Um, and in terms of what I'm going to do, he says, well, you know, I've got to go down to Mar-a-Lago and meet with the president of China. I mean, he just sort of whoop, went you know, to, in a different direction. I mean, yeah. he either always said, I'm not going to telegraph ahead of time what I'm going to do. I mean, again, yeah. that presumes that he does have a plan. The feeling uh, he doesn't. Uh, uh, no, and then and he always said he doesn't like to tell ISIS what he's going to do yeah. uh, before he's going to do it. But he's going <laughs> to have to do something very soon. And and the options, because if this were easy, it's kind of like North Korea. I mean, North Korea has been a problem for for decades. I mean, if there were an easy solution, it would have been done. Um, so, but th- this is the immediate one, uh, and I'm sure his advisors, military advisors, are going to be giving him options. Um, but just like President Obama, when he said, OK, that red line has been crossed uh, and we're going to do military action. And then he said, well, and then one of the most surprising announcements from the, this White House, the, from the previous White House was, OK, we're going to go to Congress. And we all knew that there was no way Congress was going to right, approve this. Both right. the left and the right did not support yeah, it. So, yeah. you know, do the visuals change with the chemical attack? I mean, I don't think Congress is going to be approving anything. And I don't think Trump's going to be. Go- but but I think the mood does change. When you have those visuals showing on every network, it, it does move public opinion. Now, um, so the president today uh, leaves the White House about noon uh, and then flies down to Mar-a-Lago to meet the president of China. Um, it's interesting. Um, this is back. I want to play a little quick little clip. This is with on Bill O'Reilly, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, his buddy. We'll right. get to that in just a minute. A minute. Uh, on August the 24th. 2015, uh, how would he treat this? Was, he was critical of President Obama for um, meeting with the president of China. If you were president, would you throw him a big dinner? I would not be throwing him a dinner. We've had this conversation. I'd get him a McDonald's hamburger and I'd say, we got to get down to work because you can't continue to devalue. You know, we'll give him a state dinner. So how do you sit down with a guy you accuse of raping America and then say, hey, let's be friends? <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, like, how much he said on the campaign trail. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough to, to even track because he did, obviously, so many media appearances. Um, now, the one thing with China is that they know, uh, you know, they are smart diplomats. They understand that on the campaign trail, no one is pro-China. So yeah. they know that governing is is a bit different. But but they have some real uh, things to talk about, whether it's currency manipulation or North Korea, because Trump, as president, has blamed yeah. them yes. uh, for yes. not being more active in North Korea. So uh, <laughs> they're but, it, I, I, you know, even though he said that, I think it is good that you sit down in a very hopefully calm and diplomatic way and try to figure out the world's problems.
Uh, and do you think they're going to do it on the terrace, surrounded by other uh, guests at the hotel? And... <laughs> I, I think I think that was I, I I would think that was a learning experience for this White House that maybe maybe you don't do that where people can take uh, you know all these uh, cell phone shots of you uh, making foreign policy decisions and looking at documents and that kind of thing. But when when you look at I mean he has met with now I think just about every world leader either talked to them on the phone or had them at the White House. And so this week you've got the president of Egypt. Obama wouldn't even talk to because of his disastrous human rights record. Thousands of political prisoners in prison there in Egypt. Oh. Donald Trump welcomed him in. It seems that for and, – and, and then King Hussein of Jordan is a, a strong ally, of course, and now this awkward situation with the president of China – that Trump just basically it seems wants to get along with all of them, right? Yeah. Be friends yeah. with all of them, and it's like, what can they do? We don't care what they're doing in their country as long as what can they do for us, as long as they're our friends, we're their friends. Yeah, I, I think, I, well, except for Australia, you know, we have that. Oh, that's <laughs> Cold War with Australia <laughs> now. True. So, oh, yeah, uh, right. so, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think to some degree, every president likes to come in and say, okay, it's a, it's a fresh start, um, and then sometimes, uh, in every administration, things go well or, or things go go badly um you know we're seeing north korea now deciding to be provocative uh and other countries kind of playing ball with with the president obviously every time that president obama or lawmakers would go abroad and i'm sure you heard this bill uh in 2016 the president and lawmakers would they would hear concern from yeah. world leaders about Right. Is, is Trump going to win? And oh, no, no, you know, don't worry about that. Is it was at least the Democrats said. So, um, so now this is something that has definitely startled the foreign policy uh, community. But at the same time, I think okay, let's. I, I think it's always good to talk, um, but then you, you have to, you have to, as as Trump says, you got to make deals, and that's the hard part. Right. So pleased to welcome to the studio for the first time, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal from Washington's 7th Congressional District. Now, one of the most exciting new ideas to come out of the primary last year was from Bernie Sanders, whom I endorsed. Uh, for so did I, by the way. <laughs> there you, go. Uh, you two are going to get along really well. This is four this is years of public college free for students in America. You and the senator now have introduced that legislation. We have. It was yeah. a, it was a great honor to work with him on it. It was one of my campaign pledges. It was one of the things I ran on. Um, look, I. Why is it so important? Here's why it's important. We used to be a country that invested in education, K-12 education, but also higher education. Just a few decades ago, City University of New York was providing free tuition. The University of California system, free tuition. We invested in the GI Bill. We sent millions of people to college who had never, who were the first in their families to go to college. We invested in Pell Grants, which used to cover 70% of a public university uh, education. We were first in the world for graduating people out of higher education. Today, we're 11th in the world. Today, 82% of students who go to public universities and colleges uh, are come out with student loans. And the loans range anywhere from 30000 to 100000 And so this is not a time anymore where a high school diploma is enough. We, we know that in this increasingly competitive world, you have to have that higher education. And it, it could be, doesn't have to be a four-year, could be a two-year, could be trades, vocational opportunities. 
Um, and so th- what we're trying to do is say, you know what, we understand that it is not right that we say to kids, hey, go out there, study hard, you know, get an education. But they have to make the choice of whether they want to spend um, all this money and be $100,000 in debt at the end or $50,000 in debt with interest rates uh, on student loans that now we are we have $1.3 trillion in student loan debt. That's more than the credit card debt wow. that we have. Really? It yeah. is. It is. And, um, you know, when I started working on this during the campaign, well, actually, I worked on it during the state Senate. When I was in the state Senate, I had a bill to offer free community college mm-hmm. um, for everybody. Uh-huh. Incredibly popular. Didn't, you know, we put it out as a talking point, really. We knew it wasn't going to pass in the first year, and then I ended up coming to Congress. But um, what I heard from people is this despair. And honestly, I think it's part of what came through in the election. People know that their next generation is not even as well off as they were. And this issue of college debt is not just about young people anymore. It's also about parents and grandparents. The fastest growing segment of people that have college debt now is older people because they are taking on the debt of their kids and their grandkids. So this is Uh a really interesting phenomenon. But So what we're saying in this bill is... If we invest in higher education for our kids, um, for our young, for young people, for our next generation, that they will come back, be able to get better jobs, be able to take care of their families, and be able to contribute to their communities and the economy. I think in the end, it's an economic boost because you have more people in jobs, earning more money, and ultimately contributing back. But it's also about respect and, and dignity. And, you know, if you're, if you're a lefty like me, you also believe it's the right thing to do. It's the moral yeah. thing to do. But it's also good for the economy. So our bill says let's incentivize states to invest again in higher education. What's happened is states have decreased their investments in higher education. By 2020, 2022, there are some states in the country that will no longer put any money into higher education. So our bill says, let's create a federal-state partnership. Two-thirds of the dollars will be provided by the federal government and a third by the states. And that will allow for families earning up to $125,000. This was the compromise that was agreed upon in the Democratic platform Mm -hmm, last year. mm -hmm. Up to $125,000 will get free college tuition and and free fees. Um, And this would cover about 80 80 to 82 percent of all of the young people who go to public universities and colleges. If you go to a community college, you're free no matter what income level you are. So that's one big part of the bill. Second part of the bill takes on the issue of uh, interest rates. It's ridiculous that the federal government is profiting from student loan debt. We're, We're making a lot of money off of this. So we're saying let's cut the interest rates in half. It should be affordable. If you do need to take on debt, it should be affordable. And if you're an existing borrower, which is, you know, so many people across the country, we right. will allow you to refinance your debt, your student loan debt, just like you do with a house, yeah. you know, a mortgage, right. whatever, so you're not locked your in. car, right. so you're not locked in, and you get to do it at that lower rate. We also triple the investments in TRIO and work-study programs because those targeted programs really help benefit first in the family to to go to college, low-income folks, folks of color who we know are disproportionately burdened in our system right now. 
Very excited about the bill. It has gotten so much um, excitement across the country. The legislation is just the first piece. I'm an organizer my whole life. Um, so the next thing we're going to do is now start to organize around the country on college campuses and really start to put the pressure on people in, in Congress to support the bill on both sides of the aisle. This is not a partisan issue Tennessee provided free community college through their Tennessee Promise. There's states across the country that recognize that we're not training people up. So, you know, we we can't have the workforce we need to have. This is what I think is so interesting about this is I think that Democrats have finally realized how to talk to people and explain to them that the government can help you. The yeah, government can right. work for you because there's been so it's been so long that you know, Republicans are sort of like, the government is broken, the government can't do this, government can't do that. And, like, we're finally getting to the point, like, you as a citizen deserve health care. The government can deliver that to you and not completely screw you over. You as a citizen deserve to go to college, get a higher education, and also not have, you know, yeah. a yeah. giant loan that hangs over your head for your most of your adult life. Yeah. That these are things that only the government can do. Yeah, and I, I think, think that they, right. they, they, the voice is there now. It's really important and really exciting to see. The thing that bothered me during the primary about what the whole discussion of this, uh, that every time uh, Bernie talked about it, we would hear from the Hillary people, oh, you can't do this. We, we can't do this. <laughs> I said, what do you mean we can't do this? We're Americans, <laughs> right? You know, and if we can, Bernie used to say that if we can fund K through 12, why do we say – that's as much as we can do, right? And just throw in the uh, towel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a bread and butter issue because having uh, two kids in high school and another one who's younger, <laughs> we're going to have two kids in college. So, yeah. um, and honestly, about five to seven years ago, I, I was openly saying, I don't know why, why the parties aren't talking about this yeah. issue because mm. everyone that I'm talking to and my friends and colleagues are talking about this issue. So it's something that certainly resonates where it affects everyday Americans, right. etc. The question, how yeah. do you pay for it? Yeah, so the way you pay for it, well, it's not in the bill. Okay. Um, this is a separate bill that was introduced by Keith Ellison. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially our proposal is that you pay for it through a small tax on Wall Street speculation. Mm -hmm. And that would definitely cover it. But I'll tell you something. You know, people always say, oh, you know, how do you, how do so you pay for it? So per transaction, is that it? Financial transactions Financial tax. Transaction Correct. Tax. Right. Um, my belief is not is that you know if you look at our budget and you look at what the Republicans proposed a trillion dollars in tax cuts on health care, it's not that we aren't going to spend this money. We are going to spend the money. The question is how do we spend it? Do we spend it on tax cuts for the wealthiest, or do we spend it on education, which benefits everybody across the country? Um, and so our proposal is the financial transactions tax. There's all kinds of ways you could fund this if you, you know, I mean, you, you look at the budget. There's many, many places where you could make choices. And so to me, the real question when people say, how do you fund it, is what's your priority? If you have a priority to invest in education that is going to benefit everybody in this country, then we can find a way to fund it. The other thing I say to people is, it's not like we haven't done this before. I mean, we, we used to provide um, education, and we used to cover 70% of the costs of public education. So it was affordable. My husband... Um, you know, his dad died when he was six, and so he went to college on survivor benefits from Social Security. His brother moved all the way out to California so that he could get an education because there was no other way that they could get it at the time. So we have had this system in place where we have provided 
for people to go to college. We should be able to do it again. And um, not to mention that every other major developed country in the world provides public education. People are moving to other countries to get education now because it's so unaffordable in the United States. That's not how it should be. And it is the right thing to do, Bill. But it's also the reason that we got a lot of businesses on board with higher education investments in the state. You know, Washington State, when I was in the state Senate, was one of the states that actually put enough money into higher education Uh, put enough more money into higher education that we dropped the cost of tuition by 5%. And that's not a lot, but it was something. And the reason we got that is because we are going to have a 60% gap in applicants capable of filling our jobs by the year 2020. We're not graduating enough people. And we're getting people from other states and from other countries to fill those jobs. We should be training Americans to do those jobs. We should be investing in our next generation. And this is what they're discovering really in back. Silicon Valley, right? I mean, with the, uh, yeah. what, the H-1B? H-1B visas. Yeah. H-1B yeah. visas, H-1Bs, right? Yeah, yeah no, there, and there are a lot of, uh, I was talking to uh, Governor McAuliffe from Virginia. They're, I mean, they're offering some some great starting jobs in tech and but they can't fill them, can't and now they're providing them. incentives so that they can fill them, and it's and and they're great jobs, especially coming out of college uh, if you're trained for them. Right, if yeah. you're trained for them, no, and that's true in the trades too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. tech, but it's also the reason there's support in in red America and rural America as well, <laughs> is because, look, we have an aging workforce. If we did ever do the smart thing and invest in infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, we need a whole new generation of workers to fill those right. trades jobs. Mm-hmm. That's right. something that's very popular in rural America. I just think it's one of the most exciting ideas, uh, most important ideas out there right now. So congratulations Thank to you. you for being in the leadership of this. Um, counting on you and Bernie to deliver. <laughs> We're working we'll do, on it. We'll do whatever we can. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, you know, every president uh, brings his own personality to the White House. There's no fixed formula for how a president should act. Uh, Each one is a unique individual. Each one, as I say, brings his own personality. However, one thing that no president has ever done before, not not all the way back to George Washington, no president ever before has run around accusing people of crimes without providing any evidence whatsoever. But that is Donald Trump's specialty. During the campaign, remember, he accused Hillary Clinton of committing a crime with her private email server, even though after uh, 15 congressional hearings and an entire FBI investigation, uh, everybody cleared her of any wrongdoing, didn't stop Donald Trump. Then on March 4, he accused President Obama of committing a serious crime by wiretapping Trump Tower again, even though there was not one shred of evidence provided, and even though the directors of the FBI and the CIA and the NSA say that it never happened. And now, suddenly, he's accusing Susan Rice of committing a crime by requesting the identity of people who kept showing up on phone calls with Russian agents, even though all the leaders of our intelligence agencies say that is totally within her job and her responsibility as national security advisor, and that her request for that information for those names was first processed and approved by the intelligence agencies. Now, you know, I fully support the First Amendment and our freedom to speak, but I don't think any American 
should be allowed to get away or be able to get away with wildly accusing fellow citizens of serious crimes without having to show some evidence to back it up. Nobody should be allowed to get away with that. Certainly not the President of the United States. This is The Bill Press Show.